This is the EPLOG audio experience. Film is clearly a sophisticated art, possibly the most important art of the 20th century with a rather complex history of theory and practice, writes James Monaco in his book How to Read a Film. So far in our podcast, The Artists, we have had filmmakers, writers, critics, programmers from some of the top film festivals, musicians, thinkers, defining their combinatorial skills. We at Metaphysical Lab have been striving to expand the realm of our podcast, which in turn gives a wider uh, canvas to the understanding of our experiences. And also we have tied up with Epilog Media, the podcasting network. So you can find us on their website, epilogmedia.com the artists and of course you can continue to listen to us on the platforms that you choose from apple podcast to spotify to geosavon to google podcast everything is mentioned in the description and of course you can reach us uh, on the whatsapp number and our email id i'm your host suchita and i'm looking forward to a wonderful journey ahead with all of you We are celebrating 100 years of Satyajit Ray and if I don't pronounce that right, the bongs, the Bengalis in India as we lovingly call them, are going to hunt me down and kill me. So it's Satyajit Ray's 100 years, but I'll go with my Punjabi accent and say Satyajit Ray. Welcome to the 80th episode of our podcast, The Artist, and we have with us the most influential and revered filmmaker who donned multiple hats from being a director to scriptwriter to illustrator to music composer, almost like a polymath, Satyajit Ray, his influence. spanned from indian directors like aparna sen sham benegal to martin scorsese francis ford coppola george lucas quentin tarantino wes anderson christopher nolan wes anderson dedicated his film the darjeeling limited to ray satyajit ray lost his father at a very early age and so he was brought up by his mother and this is a very interesting and inspiring trivia about his childhood that he was put in a government school where he was taught in bengali and then he got admission in one of the finest colleges in calcutta the presidency college so by the time he graduated that was in 1940 he was fluent in both languages talk about self improvement and so satyajit ray was a self taught person he was a self taught filmmaker He did not go to film school but there's a popular film school built after him SRFTII I know quite a few people from there and it's quite a popular film school So how did Satyajit Ray get into films where did he learn his filmmaking from what were his observation skills who were his biggest influences all this and more as we dig deeper into Satyajit Ray 1943 he got a job in a British owned advertising agency and he became its art director within a few years and also worked for a publishing house as a commercial illustrator this information comes from britannica.com so among the books that he illustrated was the novel pothar panchali by bibhuti bhushan banerjee and then in the year 1944 he saw the cinematic possibilities of which began to intrigue him around the time So Ray had long been an avid film goer and his deepening interest in the medium inspired his first attempt to write screenplays and his co-founding of the Calcutta Film Society in the year 
1949, Ray was encouraged in his cinematic ambitions by the French director Renoir, who was then in Bengal, to shoot The River. Ray also watched Victoria de Seca's The Bicycle Thief and that convinced Ray that he should attempt to film Pothar Panchali. Satyajit Ray went on to make 36 films, 26 feature films besides documentaries and shorts and he authored several short stories and novels primarily for young children and teenagers. His films were not restricted to a specific genre. Britannica.com quotes this that his films span an unusually wide gamut of mood, milieu, period and genre with comedies, tragedies, romances, musicals and detective stories treating all classes of Bengali society from the mid-19th to the late 20th century. But what really fascinated Ray was the inner struggle and corruption of the conscience-stricken. His films primarily concerned thought and feeling rather than action and plot. As mentioned on the website satyajitray.org, out of 26 feature films that he made, only six screenplays of these feature films were entirely original. More than half of these were based on short stories or novels written by him earlier. And also there were adaptations like Charulata, which was adapted from Tagore's The Broken Nest. Imagine sitting with Rabindranath Tagore and Satyajitray in the same room. Goosebumps. Go watch or rewatch Charulata and get fascinated by the whole design of the film from the long, precise, beautiful track shots to the extreme close-ups of Charulata to the whole inner conflict beautifully performed by Madhubi Mukherjee, the actor, and the music by Satyajitra and camera by Subrata Mitra. Charulata was the last film that Ray worked with a cameraman and then he took the reins to become his own camera person and there's a beautiful story on why he did that but I just want to talk about his cinematographer Subrata Mitra and this again I quote from satyajitray.org so while shooting Pothar Panchali he had to use a new cameraman Subrata Mitra who was still a still photographer and had never handled a movie camera before now this is for all the independent filmmakers spot the talent and also know yourself everything about the look design composition angles the treatment of your film. But the reason why he took a still photographer was because all the professionals said that they could not shoot in rain and outdoors with continuously changing light. So Ray being Ray, he said, I'm going to do this myself. He had an intense dislike of slick light effects and became devoted to bounce lighting originally developed by Subroto Mitra. So Ray described it in an article that Subroto, my cameraman, has evolved elaborated and perfected a system of diffuse lighting whereby natural daylight can be simulated to a remarkable degree. This results in a photographic style which is truthful, unobtrusive and modern. I have no doubt that if for films in the realistic genre, this is a most admirable system. So of course, after Charulata Ray operated the camera himself, this was because he wanted to know exactly at all times how a shot is going, not only in terms of acting, but of acting viewed from a chosen setup, which imposes a particular spatial relationship between the actors. And this is a very important point for all the directors and their most important collaborator, the cinematographer. And you'll understand this better if you have made a film. Ray wrote that the style of photography should grow out of the story and the director should be aware of what he or she wants and be able to convey it in the precise terms to the cameraman. He believed that the director should be his own cameraman or at least be able to impose a visual approach on his cameraman. To him, there was no such thing as good photography per se. It was either right for a certain kind of film or wrong. 
And for me, the director should have a firm hold on the visual design of the film. He also warned the over-enthusiastic cinematographers that it is dangerous for a cameraman to put forward creative suggestions unless he or she has the full emotional and visual sweep of the film in his head. If he does not, he should be content to do as the director tells him. Kutad is a good cameraman if only because he is willing to sacrifice his ego and submit to Godard, whose ideas, if unconventional, are at all times striking and therefore worthy of respect. And of course, Godard was the DOP, the cinematographer of Godard. So, so those were his perspectives when it came to lighting and techniques and the camera work. But we had a huge hold on editing as well. And if you check out the editing in Charulata, specifically to check out the swing scene, you'll see the grasp that he has over the medium. On Satyajitra Dorawaji mentions this, as much of Ray's editing was done in the camera as he was very clear about his intentions before he began shooting. So he shot very little beyond the point where the cut would come. He did not shoot an additional take just for safety's sake. For the first take was really good. He did not do a second take. It made his shooting ratio astonishingly low. This was also dictated by the limited resources available to him to make films. Of course, this is all for the independent filmmakers making their own films. He and his editor, Dulal Datta, edited the rushes as the shooting progressed. The final cutting was limited to refining the film. Ray wrote on editing that it was not unusual for an important dialogue scene to be cut in half a dozen different ways before a final satisfactory form is achieved. So Ray had control over all the important aspects of cinema, from cinematography to editing and, of course, music. And if you're talking about music, you cannot ignore that coming from the Bengali. He would start working on music as early as the script stage and he would keep making notes And as he was edging towards the final edit, he would usually shut himself in a study for several days to compose the music. He meticulously wrote the scores in either Indian or Western notation as he was proficient in both Indian and Western classical music. Now look at the range he had. The narrative structure of Ray's films are represented by musical forms such as Sonata, Fugue and Rondon. Now this you need to go and check it out yourself. This is an information from the net, more specifically from Wikipedia. So who influenced Ray and what kind of cinema did he watch over and over again and learned and trained himself? And this information comes from Wikipedia that says that Ray had admitted to having learned the craft of cinema from John Ford, Billy Wilder, Ernst Lubitsch, and he had deep respect for his contemporaries, Kurosawa, Bergman, whom he considered giants, and among others, he learned the use of freeze frames from Truffaut and jump cuts, fades and dissolves from Godard. And although Ray stated to have had very little influence from Sergei Eisenstein, films such as Potter Panchali, Aparajito, Charulata, contain scenes which show striking uses of montage. And of course, we have done our snack episode number 54 on our favorite Sergei Eisenstein and his obsession with editing and montages, where he reinvented and invented montages. Go check that out as well. Actors and crew who have worked with Ray said that he treated incompetence with total contempt. With admiration of his cinematic style and craft, director Roger Manuel said, in the restrained style he has adopted, Ray has become a master of technique. He takes his timing from the nature of the people and their environment. His camera is the intent, unobtrusive observer of reactions. Is editing the discrete economical transition from one value to the next. Ray 
credited life to be the best kind of inspiration for cinema he said for a popular medium the best kind of inspiration should derive from life and have its roots in it no amount of technical polish can make up for artificiality of the theme and the dishonesty of treatment satyajit ray has left a legacy that's going to last till the world gets over so of course from his films from pothar panchali to aparajito to apu sansar which are the apu trilogy to having received 32 indian national film awards the golden line a golden bear two silver bears that the government of india honored him with bharat ratna which is the highest civilian award martin scorsese has said about ray that his work is in the company of living contemporaries like bergman and kurosawa and fellini and francis ford coppola praised his 1960s film devi in which coppola considers as his best work and a cinematic milestone the academy film archive has preserved 20 of ray's films including aparajito when devi and mahanagar all these films are very very important and very important for the cinema makers to go and watch ray worked very very intensively and he worked for almost 12 hours a day and used to go to bed at 2 o'clock in the morning and a little trivia about him was that he enjoyed collecting manuscripts and rare gramophone records and paintings and rare books and it was in the year 1992 that his health deteriorated due to heart complications and he was admitted to hospital but he never recovered he was presented with an honorary academy award by Audrey Hepburn via a video link we lost him on 23rd of April 1992 but trade lives on forever